Uh, so great to have you with us for week number five of Trending. Those of you who are here with us in person, those of you watching online or watching this after, pray that you're blessed today as we unpack some more truths so that we are not tricked by the trends. And really, that's my ultimate hope and goal for us at 922 and those of you who've been connecting in this series. Not to answer every question that you might have about some of these trending statements and trending issues. Like 30 minutes on a Sunday morning does not do justice to the, the battle that is the discussion of science being real in that trending phrase. 30 minutes as Pastor Bill and Pastor Mike last week talking about love is love, so much is packed into that. One week is simply not going to answer all the questions. I, I know it. I want to admit it. I simply pray that what we've done over the course of this entire series and continue to do for the final third, the last two weeks, is to put some stones in your shoe. Like then when something is trending from a worldly perspective, when culture is driving in a certain direction, that instead of buying in hook, line, and sinker, or instead of just believing it because a majority says it's true, that you aren't necessarily so willing and eager to go down that path. So I, each and every week for the first three weeks, I, I shared a phrase with you to just remind you of the why in this series. And today I tweaked it a little bit because I think it is important to emphasize the second half of it. But if you're taking notes today, here's your first one right off the bat. Don't trust what's trending. I mean, don't just allow what's trending to be accepted because the majority says it, because the media promotes it, because... The majority is behind it. Don't simply trust what's trending. Instead, what I pray that you will do, the stone that I pray you will find in your shoe, is that you need to trust the word God is sending. And that there's going to be tension in that. And perhaps of all the ones that we've gone through already, while all of them are hard and challenging, I want to argue that today might be the most important. Because here's the thing about the trending ideas that culture has promoted that we've talked about already. Some of us, even here at 922, maybe some of you here at 922, and definitely people that you know in your world in which you live, they've, they've fallen for the trend. They, they believe that is the truth. And that's why today matters. I kind of call it the conjunction message of this series. Like the conjunction, you know, the, the words that we speak and or but are conjunctions. Like today's trending is usually tagged on to the ones we've already talked about. Let me give you an example. Be you is the worldly trending. And last week, two weeks ago, we made a compelling case to say from God's word why that's so tricky. But today's trending oftentimes gets that conjunction, but who am I to judge? Or love is love. And who am I to judge? Like so often, this trending gets attached to so many of the others, and, and it's so dangerous. And that's what I pray you wrestle with today. That we are willing to look at what God says about the trending question and statement of who am I to judge and see the truth 
that God is sending in his word. Consider it, wrestle with it. And most importantly, then I pray, if you're willing to accept the truth God is sending, apply it. Because judging is tricky. But what I pray that you'll find in God's word, that I'll make a compelling case, that judging is not something that you should question if you're qualified or should do it, but, but that God's called you to it. Which is why it's so tricky for so many in our world today. Like, there are many reasons I believe this, this trending is, is real. Like, we live in a pretty individualistic culture called the United States of America, where the individual trumps everything. We live in a culture where we don't like conflict, right? So uh, this phrase trends because we don't want to cause issues in our relationships. But you know why this statement trends more than any other reason in my mind? Because both Christians and non-Christians maybe use this and pull this verse out of the Bible more than any other verse. Like John 3.16, we've seen it at sporting events, and Christians know it, and non-Christians, they, they know what it references, but, but Christians and non-Christians alike love this verse more than any other, and it connects to this trending. It's Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. I mean, I know I've had that thrown in my face. Who are you to judge? Jesus said, don't judge. Like, that's the Bible. That's the word. Like, if that's the truth and Jesus is the proclaimer of the truth, that simple statement in and of itself is not very tricky. <laughs> so amen to the sermon, right? Or is there more to it? Like reading Jesus in context and taking that statement in the context of the Bible, it, it requires us to take some time to slow down to see the truth about judgment. I would actually pose to you that what Jesus is addressing there is not the issue of judging. It's the issue of the judger. <laughs> like the heart, the motive, the way it's carried out. As opposed to judgment itself. Because let's just be honest. You and I don't believe that's true, that you shouldn't judge. Like I see all the little parents up here with their kids who are younger. Like, do you just let anyone in your house babysit your kids? Or do you judge them before they get in your doors? Well, you guys might be desperate to get out. <laughs> Invite Pastor Tim over. It'll be a party. No, you judge. Like you know if they have qualifications, if they've taken some kind of first date or even maybe no CPR. Like, you don't just entrust your kids to anybody. You cast judgment. Or how about this? Take out your credit cards. Go ahead, take out your credit cards. Someone take out the credit card. Jan, take out your credit card. <laughs> Would you give me the three digits on the back of your credit card? No. Like, I'm your pastor. You judge. Like, we all do it all the time. So in and of itself, it just can't be that judgment is not something we should do, even though Jesus said it. So what does that mean? What does the Bible say? How do you counter that? 
when the culture says, and it causes you to question, who am I to judge? So if you're with me, if you understand the tension that's real, if you understand, we need to get an answer and understand what that means for us when this trend is so real in, in our lives, in our world, and will affect us. Because if we don't judge, then all these other trends, without being spoken into, lead to deadly disastrous results. Because for a lot of people, if they give into those trends, they'll endanger their relationship with God. We've already heard that. So I, what I want to do today is give you four truths that are biblical. I'm going to show you what they are on the business of judging. Like when it comes to judging, what does the Bible speak about the business of judging? And then I want to apply those for us as we dig into God's word. Hey, buddy. High five. All right. Where's your dad? He's right over here. Let's go find him. First time for everything. All right. Truth number one, judging is God's business. Very biblical, very true. It, it's not just one passage or two passages. It is multiple passages. I'm not going to put them all up on the screen, but if you just Google and try and research God is the judge or God is judge or the word judge in the Bible, you'll come up with passages ever passage in the Psalms, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, from Jesus, from Paul, all over the place, judging is God's business. In a very narrow sense, the reality is, who am I to judge? I, I'm not the ultimate judge. Like, I need to admit that, I need to understand that, because I'm not God. As much as I like to think I, I know a lot and I'm really smart, I'm not God. The Bible ultimately says this about judging being God's business. It's God who judges. Like the Bible clearly says, alone of all people who can read the heart, know the ultimate underlying heart. Does that person love God, have faith in God, believe in God? Are they truly repentant or not? The only person who can see the heart is God. James in the New Testament said there's only one lawgiver. So one person sets the rules. One person's commandments are the ultimate guideline for judging right and wrong, good and bad. Uh, what to do and what not to do. God, there's only one lawgiver. Like, you might think there should be different laws. You might think you can make up your own laws. You might not like God's laws. But at the end of the day, the Bible says there's one lawgiver and one person who judges based on those laws, and that's God. And he's the one alone who's able to save and destroy. Like, at the end of the day, the ultimate judge is God. He judges on the basis of his word, which he's given to us. He's revealed it to us. We know right and wrong. God is in the business of judging. And ultimately, on the last day, the Bible tells us he's the one who's going to do it. Like, he not only sees everything you do, but he also sees everything that's in our heart. And that can be scary, right? Like, here's the thing about what makes who am I to judge so scary. We know one of the reasons why it's so tricky is because we're all flawed. It's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't like to judge. Like, you know why you don't want to call out your spouse or you don't want to call out your sibling? It's because you don't want 
them to call you out. Because <laughs> you know how broken you are. And in a very narrow way, the business of judging at the end of time and ultimately, it's God's. And that could scare you until you also know this about the, the one who's in the business of judging. God's also in the people business. You and me. Everybody. Like he doesn't sit up on a high up throne, casting down laws and calling out people, bringing down the hammer. No, instead God is in the people business. He got off his throne and he came down to earth to overwhelm you with grace. And you need to know both of those truths when we discuss the business of judging. Here's the people business that God is in. God, our Savior, wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Like, you can't have a conversation about judgment and the judge without remembering the one who came down is also the judge. Like, Judge Jesus is also Savior Jesus, Mediator Jesus. The Son of God, who came down for a very important purpose so that you and I would not get the judgment we deserve. That God would not treat us as our sins deserve. See, because when it comes to judgment, the Bible reveals to us that God's, God's judgment of the heart is determined on a basis of faith or not, belief or not. But he also then does tell us one of the things that reveals faith and belief is the actions of the heart and the life. A heart that's repentant. It doesn't live in sin or love sin or tell God to, to get out of their way. Because there's danger in that. For I take no pleasure, God says, in the death of anyone, what our sins deserve, the ultimate death of hell, declares the Sovereign Lord, repent and live. Old Testament, New Testament, prophets in the Old Testament, Peter, Paul, apostles in the New Testament recorded it. God calls his church to it. He says, the message you are to deliver is the same one that Peter delivered on Pentecost Sunday. What must we do? Repent. Repent and believe. And repentance is not a message we like to talk about and we like to center on because it's hard. You know what the word repent literally means? To do a 180. Like when you're sinning, when you're pursuing that, when you're crossing that boundary, when you're going down that path that God says no to, whether it's your identity or your sexuality, whether it's your vocabulary or, or it's your thoughts, whether it's what you see with your eyes and the privacy of your own home, it, whatever it is, whatever the path is, if it's not a godly path, God says that path leads away from me. That path ultimately could lead to hell and dis your destruction. If you continue to pursue it, repent, turn and go the other direction, my direction. Like the Bible does not mince words when it comes to that. For you and me. 
Like at the end of the day, I will have to stand before God and you will have to stand before God, the ultimate judge. And he is in the people business. He sent his son to pay for your sins. But if sin has your heart and God doesn't, the soul that sins will get the punishment that it deserves. Because a lack of faith leads away from God. So how does someone who's on that path <laughs> know what the lawgiver says and know the danger if they, they don't turn from it? See, Jesus is no longer here to deliver the message. God himself does not show up and talk to us verbally face to face and say, don't do that anymore. I love you too much. So how does the business that God is in of people get done? And if judging is God's business, how does it get carried out? Well, truth number three, judging is God's business. God's in the people business. God's business is the church's business, capital C. You and me as a part of God's church. Like as God's called his church to be the ones who deliver the message of, of forgiveness or not forgiven. He's called the church to judge. Here are just two examples of it. I can find more. Jesus on the night of Easter said this, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. Like the job of the church is to declare the message of forgiveness. If someone repents, confesses, and in faith believes in God as their savior, forgiveness is offered. But if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. In catechism class, we had the really fancy way of calling this the binding key or the loosing key. How many of you ever remember your pastor teaching you the, the binding key or the loosing key? If I don't see any young kids doing it, I'm going to have a problem with Pastor Bill right now, but like it, the, the loosing key opens the door, the binding key locks the door. Okay? God's given the church the job to, to lock the door to heaven or to open the door to heaven through their words to tell people in faith, by God's grace, you are forgiven. And the Apostle Paul actually understood that 2,000 years ago, a church struggled and wrestled with the issue of who am I to judge. The Corinthian congregation struggled with a whole lot of issues, but one of them was this. They didn't judge this sexually immoral situation in their church. It was a family situation, and it was an ugly situation. And even an unbeliever, the Apostle Paul said, would call this wrong. And yet no one in the church spoke up and said it was wrong. They just let it go. They let it slide. And the Apostle Paul said, God's business, those people, are your business. What business is mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God says, all too often Christians judge those outside the church. Like right now, there's this great tension. I can use the example of people who are pro-life and, and the Supreme Court situation of what they're going to rule on abortion. And there are a whole lot of Christians going public and, and proclaiming and broadcasting and seeing it for their truth, but they're judging people who, who are on the other side, who aren't believers, who, who aren't Christians. They're outside of the church. And you know what that oftentimes does to the church? Gives us a bad name. Like, you can have your opinion. We should speak the truth. We should love what God loves. But our job is not to judge those outside the church. Paul says, 
Judge those inside. God will judge the ones on the outside. God will deal with unbelievers. God, God will take care of it. You have to leave it in his hands. But you expel the wicked person from among you. If there is a, someone in the church, you need to speak the truth. 200 proof. Call sin, sin. And if they don't like it, You can't offer them grace. You have to use the binding key. And when you put all three of those together, then here's the ultimate place where I want to fall on who am I to judge? The answer is this. I am to judge. Judging one another is our business because we're the church. Like you and me. Like, just like you need me and our pastors and spiritual leaders to, to speak into situations and call sin, sin, and offer grace to you and the forgiveness of God. We need that from you. We need to do that with one another. Because understand, we all have blind spots. They're all pet sins that we might struggle with. And I need you and you need me to one another each other when it comes to sin. I need you in your homes to one another, the people that you love when it comes to sin. I need you in your groups to be willing to, to love one another in your groups when it comes to sin. Because God's business is the people business and, and God's business is the church's business. And, and because we are the church, we need to, to carry out that business and and not allow someone to go down the path that leads away from God and die spiritually. It's not me saying it, it's the word. Don't trust what's trending, trust the word God is sending. And here's his word. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore them gently. Go to them. Speak into it. Be 200 proof truth and grace in their life. Jesus himself, the one who said, do not judge, said this, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen, you have won them over. Like, I get it, it's hard. I understand it is one of the hardest things to do. But I also understand one of the reasons why it's something we don't do. Our sinful nature that, that doesn't want to lose relationships with one another. And I need you to see it that when that's the case, when your heart raises the question, who am I to judge? You're worrying more about your worldly relationship than you are about their spiritual one. And would you want the people that you love, the one and others around you, to do that for you? It's why the one who judges came down to earth. So that the judgment he could offer you is not on what you deserve, but on what he won for you and for them and for all. Because God wants all people to be saved. The business that's God's business of judging, at the end when he returns, he wants the verdict you hear and I hear and everyone to hear to be well done, good and faithful servant by faith through grace. You... You were not perfect, but your heart 
was right with God, receive the inheritance prepared for you since the beginning of time. The business of judging, the Bible is very clear on. Jesus was not going after the act of judgment. He was going after the attitude of the judger. Pull the plank out of your own eye before you pull the speck out of someone else's. Because the Bible is very clear on the ultimate judge, the church's role to make sure that when the judge comes back, the judgment they hear is not away from me, but come and be with me. See, God has called you to judge. Spiritual matters, not worldly ones. God has called you to judge because you are the church. To judge one another, not people outside. And I know that's hard. As a pastor, it is the hardest thing I have to do. Like, I waver in it. I don't like it. I sometimes don't do it perfectly. But the ultimate relationship that matters is the relationship with God. And and in order to get that right, when we judge, I want to remember two things, the how and the why. Like, if you can keep those things in mind when you're trending to be tricked by who am I to judge, instead remember these things about the business of judging. The first one uh, in reality is this. The passages behind it make every effort to live in peace, unity, with everyone and to be holy, what God calls us to be. That's why judging has to happen. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Biblically, judging is important because we want everyone to experience and celebrate the grace of God eternally. Here's the how. In light of that, from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians, he says, Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. In other words, the trickiness of trends. Instead, speaking the truth in love will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Speak the truth, speak in love. That's, that's biblical judging. Speak the truth. Like, I'm just going to tell you, no excuses when you say, who am I to judge? I don't know enough. My guess is you know the Ten Commandments. My guess is you have a pretty good grasp of what God says is right and wrong, what is true and not true. And if you don't know, you have five dudes who work in this building who will help answer your questions and point you to the right places in the Bible to help you speak the truth. And speak it in love. Like, that's the attitude Jesus was addressing. Like, you know what sometimes our heart loves is for someone to feel really bad and really guilty for something they've done. Stop bringing the hammer to shame and make people feel, feel bad because it makes you feel good. That's not loving. That's not godly or that's not biblical. And that's what I remember about the how. Do it biblically, not worldly. Don't forget the how. Biblically, not worldly. Start with God. Know what his word says. Start with God. Know what his goal is. Start with God. Remember who, whose heart he's after. Like God, when it comes to judging, if he's, it's his business and we're the church, we got to start there. Biblically, judging starts there. If it's not biblical, stop judging. Like you judge people for their political views. Sometimes those political views have nothing to do with God and they aren't spiritual. Stop judging. You can disagree, you can have opinions, you can have arguments, you can vote differently. Don't judge. That's, 
I know I'm talking to a whole group of people going, Pastor, come on. Don't judge them. It's about sin. It's about God. It's about his commandments. That's biblical. Then, before you go and do the work of judging, first focus on yourself. Understand what you deserve. Understand who you are, that, that you're sinful too. Ask God to work on your heart if this is coming from a place that isn't loving. Like, begin with yourself. That was what Jesus says when he tells us not to judge, right? First here. Then go. God, you, them. The truth, but also the goal is always grace. The goal is not to shame them. The goal is to restore them. Galatians 6. The goal is not to overwhelm them and make them feel horrible. The goal is to win them over. That's biblical judging. Remember that. To have a heart like that requires you to have roots. To love God and know his word. But that in and of itself sometimes is still hard when the trend is, I don't know if I should. I don't know if I can. It might destroy our relationship. I know the biblical, but I'm afraid of that. Then I need you to remember the... The why. In a famous chapter in the Bible, Luke 15, the lost chapter, three lost parables, they all end with the same thing. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The angels in heaven rejoice, the Bible says, over one sinner who repents. If you've ever been to a Packer game and you've heard the roar of the crowd as the ball goes sailing through the air, the receiver catches it, crosses the end zone, the the game ends in victory. The roar of the crowd is deafening. I've been there. It is awesome and it's amazing. Like, that's what I want you to imagine why God tells us this is so important. The angels in heaven rejoice. And you know why they rejoice? Because they want you and they want that person. They want your grandchild. They want your niece. They want your friend. They want that person who, who is living outside of a relationship with God and down the wrong path they want to, to celebrate and, and have them there with them in heaven, just like God wants you to be there in heaven. And that's the why. That's the why. Never forget the why. Later lasts longer. Like you might hold on to your relationship now by zipping your lips, but they'll lose out maybe on their relationship with God. Later lasts longer. Like you speak into so many things in the life of your kids because you know later lasts longer. The decision you make now, you wouldn't let your kid just walk away from high school and say, yeah, you don't need it, no big deal. No. Matters, because later lasts longer. And spiritually, everything is about later. This world is temporary, but eternity with God is at stake. Because that's the business God is in. He wants all people to be saved. And the one another's in our church and the one another's in your life who, who know God and believe in God when they go down the wrong path away from God. Be the voice of God who restores them gently because later lasts longer. And I sure want all of you to be there with me later. Because it'll be a whole lot of fun for a whole lot longer. 
And God wants that for the people in your life who you care about too. So I don't know who it, that it is on your heart and mind that you maybe haven't spoken into, that the trend's gotten the best of you. Who am I to judge? I pray I put a stone in your shoe from the truth God is sending. That he's called us to judge one another. Because we're in the business that God is in. To proclaim the message of grace and truth to all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this trending is so tricky because our human heart is so fickle because sometimes the word in, that we know that you speak to us is taken out of context. So Jesus, help us remember when you say, do not judge, you're, you're, you're calling us out when it comes to the way in which we judge. So let us remember the how, biblically. Speaking the truth, speaking in love with the goal to let people see you to know the truth, to get them off the path that leads away from you, but restore them gently. And we know the why, Lord, because later lasts longer. And if we're not the voice, Lord, maybe that later will not end up the way that you want it to. So Lord, give us power, give us courage, give us wisdom to speak the truth in love, to, to judge biblically and not worldly, and to to judge in the light of your word so that people see you and are offered grace.